Passover. I want to welcome you. We're so glad that you're here with us in service this evening. I want to share a message that's been on my heart for quite some time. Hope that it will encourage you today. Today we're continuing a series that we began at the beginning of the year entitled Stronger Families. And today I want to offer you some thoughts that will hopefully help you to continue to build a stronger family, not only in the summer, but into the fall season. Now, parenting, I don't know if you know this, but parenting is challenging. It's often difficult. Uh, People have compared parenting to a variety of things. Some people say parenting is like juggling, except everything is on fire. Some people say it's like trying to stand in a hammock and drink lemonade. Other people have said parenting is like a babysitting job that never ends. And parenting is like being an Uber driver, except you don't get paid for many, many, many years down the road. Parenting is stressful. It's also very fruitful and rewarding. But sometimes in the middle of the challenges that we're in, we begin to lose sight of the beauty and the majesty of what parenting is all about. And I want to suggest to you that we don't have to parent alone. We don't have to parent alone. For you see, God promised us before he left, Jesus before he left, he promised the Holy Spirit to us. And so today, the topic that I have for us is the Spirit-empowered family. I want to talk to us about how we can have a Spirit-empowered family. I firmly believe, and this is the anchor for tonight's message is this, is that the Holy Spirit wants to empower each and every family represented here. He wants to empower you for the assignment that he has for you. So what I'd like to invite you to do is join me in the book of Acts, chapter number 2. And we actually have notes in the Westover app, so feel free to open up your app at this time. And I want to share with you a little bit about what's happening In this passage of Acts chapter 2, we're going to read verse 17. But before I get into the text today, I want to set a little bit of the context of what's happening here. This is 50 days after the resurrection of Jesus. As you know, Jesus died. Three days later, he rose from the dead. He spent the next 40 years, uh, excuse me, 40 days encouraging and strengthening and ministering to his disciples for the assignment that would come. And then right at his ascension, this is what he says. I'm going to provide to you an advocate called the Holy Spirit. I want you to wait in Jerusalem until you receive power from on high. And what they did is they waited 10 days. They prayed and they prayed and they prayed and they prayed. And on the day of Pentecost, 120 were filled to overflowing and they had utterance of other tongues. And it just so happened to be a festival day. So they were able to walk out into the street And minister to people from other countries. God gave them other tongues to minister. But he also gave them other tongues. He gave them a heavenly language. And I want you to begin to prepare your hearts tonight. Because I believe that he wants to empower you to lead a family in a spirit-filled experience. And so I want you to look with us to verse 17. And this is actually Peter. He is quoting an Old Testament prophet by the name of Prophet Joel. And this is what he says. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. 
And I interjected here and I added the words, your family. So let me read it again. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on your family. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. And your old men will dream dreams. The reason why I interjected this family language is this. Is we see in this scripture, family language represented. Sons and daughters. He's talking about old men who are the patriarchs of the family. He's talking about young men who are the next generation to assume the responsibility of leading their families. And he specifically selects, the Holy Spirit specifically selects family language. And this is where we get the idea that the Holy Spirit wants to empower us as a family. But I want to let you know, parents, is that the Holy Spirit-empowered experience starts with us. Wherever we go in our experience is where the rest of our family will follow. And I want to just invite you to begin to pursue a spirit-empowered experience. Because parenting is frustrating at times. You may be a parent of a very young child and they've got a bunch of colic and you love them, but you just want them to stop crying. Maybe you've got kids and they're constantly fighting and constantly arguing. Maybe you have a teenage daughter who's very disrespectful and maybe you have a teenage son who just is unmotivated and just wants to play video games and sometimes you want to just pull out your hair now that's not what happened to me but that's that's what happens sometimes we get so frustrated and the holy spirit says i want to come alongside you and just encourage you to be all that you can be in your family and empower you And so today I want to share with you four prayers for a spirit-empowered family. Four prayers for a spirit-empowered family. Number one, pray for power. Pray for power. Verse 17 says this, In the last days God will pour out His Spirit on all people. God's Spirit actually represents power to us. And the reason we know this is if we go a couple pages back in our Bible and we look at Acts 1, verse 8. You don't have to turn there, but I want to read this for you. And this is Jesus' promise to his disciples on the day of his ascension back into heaven. This is what he says. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Some of us, we need the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. We need the Holy Spirit to rise up within us, to empower us as we raise our children and our students in the fear and the admonition of the Lord. But it requires for us to pray a prayer for power, for us to welcome Him and His Holy Spirit into our experience, for Him to empower us to lead our family. The Holy Spirit is... And the parenting responsibility is a divine assignment. Whether you've got elementary age kids or kids in high school, whether you're a single parent or you're raising a child with a disability, the Holy Spirit wants to empower you to fulfill that sacred responsibility of raising your children. As I said, parenting can be tough. Many of us, we begin the day 5.30, 6 in the morning, we've got to get ourselves ready, then we've got to get our children ready, and then we've got to feed them, and some days it's so busy that we just have to get them to school and then find a way to get a meal on the way to work. And then we arrive, if you're like me, we arrive at work and we have a full day, maybe 8 hours, maybe 10 hours, 
And then we get home, and then we have to feed our kids. And I just want to encourage you, feed your kids, okay? Please feed your kids. And often what happens, like it happens in the Musset household, what will happen is after dinner or after homework, my kids will come up to me and they'll say, Dad, will you read us a bedtime story? And I will tell you there are moments in my experience when I just want to sit on the couch and not be bothered. Because I'm tired. I'm worn out. I have nothing left to give. Because I've given it out all day long. And that's where the Holy Spirit steps in. That's when he begins to empower our spirit. And when we pray for power, what we're actually praying for is we're praying for more. We're asking the Holy Spirit to give us more time. To give us more strength. To give us more margin. To give us more creative ideas. To multiply our time. So that we can show up for our family. And that's the prayer that we need to pray as parents. Is pray that God would anoint us. And give us extra margin. Oftentimes I find myself praying a prayer and just saying, God, help me. That's my prayer of prayer. God, just help me. Holy Spirit, please help me to show up for my family and be there and be present for them. But before I go any further with the rest of the other three prayers, what I want you to realize is that there's only one prerequisite. One essential element to receiving the infilling of the Holy Spirit. And that is to choose Jesus as Lord and Savior. And if you've never done that, I want you to begin to have a conversation with the Lord as you're sitting there saying, God, I need you. I need you to save my life. I need you to transform my experience. I need you to, uh, to, to make me a new person. I accept your son's death and resurrection as payment for my sin, and I want you to come into my life. I want you to begin to yearn for that. And we see this in Matthew 3.11. This is John the Baptist speaking, and this is what he says. He's speaking of Jesus. I baptize you with water for repentance. But after me comes one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. And my prayer for you this evening is that you would yearn for the Holy Spirit to come upon you and to move in your experience and that you would ask the Holy Spirit and that you'd ask Jesus to baptize you in the Spirit and give you a, a, a fire in your soul so that you can show up for your family. The second prayer I want to offer to you is this, is to pray for new dreams. Pray for new dreams. The verse again says, your old men will dream dreams. Parents, I want to challenge you to dream again. Dare to dream again. Often what happens in our experience is life's difficulties cause God's dreams to begin to fade in our experience. And I want to just invite you to continue to dare to dream again. Don't let the dreams die. Some of us, we've experienced a lot of challenges and the dreams have begun to fade. And I've discovered that life's difficulties don't invalidate God's dreams. I'm going to say it again because I want you to get this in your spirit. Life's difficulties don't invalidate God's dreams for you and for your family. In fact, that's when we need to press in. We need to press in and say, God, give us new dreams for our family. Because I've discovered that when we begin to dream God's dreams, they're in accordance with his will and they come to pass. Because God is the dream giver. But we as parents, we are dream releasers. 
He's the one who gives dreams, but we are dream releasers. In 1934, in Charlotte, North Carolina, there was a group of businessmen who began to gather monthly in different places all around the town to begin to pray for revival for their city, for their state, and for the rest of the world. And this month, in 1934, 84 years ago, a group of men gathered on a farm. And it just so happened that that farm belonged to a man by the name of W. Frank Graham. W. Frank Graham is the father of Billy Graham. And it just so happened that during that prayer, under a shade of grove trees protecting them from the sun, a paper salesman said, let's pray a new prayer. Let's pray that God would raise up someone from Charlotte, North Carolina, who would go to the ends of the earth and preach the gospel. And while they were praying that prayer, that dream prayer, no one was thinking about Billy Graham. Because up until that point, 15-year-old Billy Graham had not given his life to Jesus. In fact, he was dreaming about being a professional baseball player. And as he was shoveling hay, that's what he was dreaming about. But God heard the prayer and he registered. He said, oh, that's a dream that resonates with my spirit. So at the age of 16... Under the, under, the, under the encouragement of his parents, Billy Graham went to a revival. And it was at that revival that God captured his heart. And he gave his heart to Jesus. And some weeks later, while he was walking in the forest among trees, he clutched the Bible to his chest and he said, God, I will give you all of my life for all of my life. And I will go and I will do whatever you ask. And it was at that moment that God released the dream. And it wasn't until five, ten years later that Billy Graham actually found out that his father and a group of men prayed that prayer because they weren't sure that it was him. Fast forward to 2007 at the end of Billy Graham's career. The Billy Graham Evangelistic Association did a conservative estimate. And they have estimated that he single-handedly, with the assistance of his team, Preached the gospel to 215 million people. 215 million people. And this was before the internet. If God can do that with one person who's willing to surrender to the dream that he has for them. Imagine what he can do with a house full of people. And people who are joining us online who are willing to say yes to Jesus. Begin parents to dare to dream again. And once you have a dream in your mind and in your heart, begin to declare God-sized dreams in your family. Begin to declare it. Say, God, I believe you're going to do something great in my son's life. And I believe you're going to do something great in my daughter's life. And I believe that you're going to do something great in my grandson and my granddaughter and my niece and my nephew. And you're going to say, my father who's an alcoholic, he's finally going to come to Christ. Begin to declare God-sized dreams in your family. But we have to dare to dream again. The third prayer for a spirit-empowered family is to pray for purpose. To pray for purpose. The first prayer is the prayer for power. That's a prayer we pray for our kids and our students. The prayer for new dreams is the prayer we pray so that we can begin to pray for them. And then we begin to pray prayers for our kids and our students who are praying for purpose. It says, your young men will see visions. Vision is important. 
It gives a target. It gives a benchmark for what God wants to accomplish in their life. Proverbs 29, 18 says this, where there is no vision, the people perish. We live in a generation where our kids and our students, some don't have a vision for what their life can be, and God wants to declare purpose in their life. They recently asked some kids, what, what would you like to become? And some said teacher and lawyer and doctor and police officer. But there was a good majority who said they didn't know what they wanted to be. They didn't know what they wanted to be. And some even said, you know what? I want to be a professional video game player. I want to be a YouTube star. And they asked one little kid, he says, I want to be a Pokemon trainer. Now, I don't know if you can make any money doing that. But I would suggest to you that that isn't God's purpose for our kids and our students. Parents, we are guides for our families towards God's purpose for them. And we do that through God, God-given dreams. We are guides along this journey. And it's as, as if it were these dreams that he begins to give us our guardrails in their experience. To begin to keep them on the path towards God's purpose for them. But we have to pray for God to reveal his purpose to us and to reveal his purpose for our kids and our students. When I was in college, I went to college not knowing what I wanted to be. And so I had a group of friends in my dorm, and they were all engineering majors. And so I said, well, let me become an engineering major. And I called my dad, telling him, all excited, you know, I'm going to be an engineer. And he said, well, uh, I don't think you're really going to like that a whole lot. I said, dad, it's all right, I'll be fine. And, and I was kind of rolling my eyes saying, you know, what's my dad know? So I went ahead and I began to take classes, math and physics classes. And, and uh, frankly, um, I was not very good at math and physics at all. In fact, I hated it. In fact, I was really terrible at it. But I was a little thick-headed and I was, you know, I just got to stick with it. And, uh, and it took me five classes of math and physics to realize that I didn't want to do this. And, and God really gave me a God moment. I went in, in my, the, the end of my, the, my freshman year, and I, I took a physics exam. And uh, it was one of those exams that are really, really difficult. And long story short, a week and a half later, I get the grade, and I'm surprised. I'm surprised because I got the third lowest grade of the class. The third lowest grade in the class. The only consolation that I had was I was the third lowest. So I'm here to encourage you. If you've been the fourth lowest, guess what? You've never stooped as low as I have. Okay? There's encouragement for you. And as I walked out into the bright sunshine, I chuckled in my spirit and said, you know what? This isn't for me. And so I began to look at what I could do to change my major, and I became a psychology major, and it just so happened that I was getting better grades. That isn't saying a whole lot because... I, you know, I was doing really poorly in these other classes. But what I discovered is I discovered my passion. And I want to just encourage you, parents, if you're helping your kids and your students discover what God has purposed for them, two key indicators. Number one, what are they passionate about? And what do they have an, a natural gifting for? And as you're having conversations with your kids and your students about what God put them on earth to do, begin in your own mind to think about what are they really great at? What are they passionate about? And begin to shepherd them towards God's experience for them. Help them find the thing that they love because that will be the thing that will unlock their experience. 
Now, some of you may be here and you say, Pastor, that's great. I love the fact that God's got a purpose for my kids and my students and my young adults. But you just don't know. You just don't know. My son is away from the Lord. My daughter and I, we have an estranged relationship. I just want to encourage you today. I want to encourage you today. Proverbs 19.21 says, Many are the plans in a person's heart, but it is the Lord's purpose that prevails. We make plans, but God's purpose will prevail. We make plans, but God's purpose will prevail. And I'm here to encourage someone here today and say, God's purpose will prevail. We've just got to be faithful. We've got to be willing to pray for power. We've got to pray for new dreams. We've got to pray for purpose in their life. And fourth and finally, we need to pray for boldness. Pray for boldness. It says in the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on your family. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Now, this word prophesy actually means to expound, to interpret, and to preach the gospel under the influence of the Holy Spirit. God wants to anoint our kids and our students to preach the gospel under the influence of the Holy Spirit. I worked in a school setting for four and a half years, and one of the things they told me before I set foot on campus is that I couldn't speak about God, that I couldn't encourage a student, that I couldn't that I couldn't read my Bible to a student because there have been restrictions put on adults to be able to speak God's name and his word. But students don't have that limitation. They still have the right to free speech. They can still speak God's name and God's purpose. And I firmly believe that the Holy Spirit wants to anoint the next generation with boldness. I'm going to call it out that he would anoint them for boldness to step on the campuses and preach God's name and expound, interpret, and declare that God is real and that Jesus still saves. The Bible is full of stories of young people who decided to follow the Lord. We have a story of Timothy in the New Testament. He was a very young man, and God, God selected him, and Paul began to mentor him, and he began to take on a pastoral responsibility And then we see the story of Joseph in the Old Testament. And at 17, God gave him visions for what he wanted to accomplish in the future. We see King David at the age of 16 or 17 being anointed as king. We see a young boy named Josiah at age 8 become king. And the word of God says that he feared the Lord of his father Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And he never turned away from the Lord. And then we see a young boy by the name of Samuel at the age of eight who hears the audible voice of the Lord and he spends the rest of his life speaking about who God is. I just firmly believe that there are kids and students ages five to 18 that God wants to anoint with boldness. But it starts with us parents. God wants to commission them, but it starts with us. And this is one of the reasons why we invest so much time and energy to provide a camp experience, a kids' camp experience, a kids' camp junior experience, a student conference. Because what it does is it creates an experience where our kids and our students can encounter the Holy Spirit. They can encounter the Holy Spirit. And I don't know about you, but I don't want your kids and your students to miss out.
I want you to invest in them so that they could receive the anointing of the Holy Spirit. But it also requires us to, to lead the way. I firmly believe that God wants to anoint us for his effective service. Because parents, we are the catalyst of the spirit-empowered family. We are the catalyst of a spirit-empowered family. It starts with us. It starts with us. And as I close, I want you to begin to prepare your heart to receive the Holy Spirit. I want you to prepare your heart to receive the Holy Spirit. If you've never had a spirit-filled experience, I want you to just to prepare your heart for this. And I want to give you quickly four biblical requirements for the infilling of the Spirit. Number one, you must already be a Christ follower. The world cannot receive the infilling of the Holy Spirit. We must have Jesus as Savior and Lord. Number two, we must ask in faith and continually seek. God wants to save the world, but we must ask him to save us. God wants to fill us with his Holy Spirit, but we must ask for him to fill us. That's how it works. Number three, we must yield to God. God wants us to yield our hearts and our lives to him. And it's to yield the control. Some of us, we have such a tight grip and control of our life, and God wants to, he wants to strengthen us. And number four, that we would speak in an unknown language. For you see in Acts 2, 4, this is what it says. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. The Holy Spirit wants to give you a heavenly language, a language so that you can communicate what's on your heart to the Lord. He wants to do that for us. And we speak, as this verse says, it has to start with us. We have to begin to worship, and then he gives us utterance. And so as I close, I want to invite you to stand with me. And I want you to put your devices down and put your Bible down. And I just, I want you to just for a moment close your eyes. Oftentimes when we close our eyes, it allows us to begin to focus on the Lord. Focus on the Holy Spirit. So close your eyes. And I want to make an appeal to you, church. I want to make an appeal to you. Some of us who are in the house or joining us online, you're in a dry season. And you've been struggling. And you feel disconnected from God. And you feel like he's distant and he's far away. And as I speak, I, I believe in my heart that the Lord is identifying some of us who just need God to, to do something in the dry spot of our heart. And if that's you, if you're in a dry season of your experience, maybe just individually or in your family, I want to invite you to come and stand at the front with me. I want to invite you to come. I want you to be bold. Don't worry about who's around you. This is about you. I want you to take a step forward and come and stand with me right here at the front. Yes, God honors our courage. And as we step forward, what he does is he begins to step into our experience. Now, number two, I want to appeal to some of you parents. And you know that God has something more for you and for your family. And it's just not enough. It's not enough to just pray for your meal at the dinner time. And it's just not enough to receive 
a Bible verse and see it and read it on Facebook. But there's a hunger in your spirit for more. And you know that God is tugging on your heart. That's the Holy Spirit. And I want you to come. I want you to step forward. I want you to step forward. Don't be afraid. Here at Westover, we're not going to push on you. The Holy Spirit will not push on you. We won't push you down. The Holy Spirit can minister His Spirit to us in a very gentle and tender way. And for those of you who are standing up here at the front, I want you to begin to worship God and just share your heart with Him. Just share your heart with Him in English or in Spanish or any language that you know. And I want you just to begin to say, God, I need you. Seek Him. Seek Him. Seek the baptizer. Seek Him. Seek Him. Say, God, I need you. I want you to fill me up. I need you. I need you. I need you. I'm hungry for you. My heart yearns for you. And for those of you who are in the house who already have the gift of speaking in tongues, I want to just invite you to begin to speak in tongues and invite the Holy Spirit to minister and to provide His infilling to His people, these people who are here yearning for your spirit. Church, begin to pray. Begin to pray. And those of you who are standing up here, I just want to invite you as you are praying in English or in Spanish or whatever, that you would just yield to God. And what will happen is the Holy Spirit will begin to stir within you. He'll begin to bubble up within you. And you may begin to notice that your, that your jaw begins to quiver. We're not doing that. That's the Holy Spirit. Just give Him permission. Yield permission to Him. Allow Him to minister to you. Lord, minister your presence and your power to your people. Let them be enraptured by you. Let them fully seek you. Those of, of you who are searching for more, he wants to fill you. He wants to take you out of drive season. And for those of you who want more, he wants to give you more. Let's worship God and ask him to fill us up.